Welcome, book lovers and bibliophiles. Join us now for a journey through the secret short box. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back, Aruni. To more cover me. More cover boonie. Um, <laughs> I am Chris. With me, as always, is T. Hi. We are here to do a secret short box. Yes. For those who don't know, secret short box is a series we came up with when we needed filler. <laughs> Pause for effect. <laughs> and is the idea that these famous literary people, if they had at their writing desk a secret short box of comics, what would be in there? Yeah. Uh, today we are doing Shakespeare. In honor of doing Shakespeare, uh, T will be speaking entirely in iambic pentameter. Uh, so that will be uh, impressive. So get ready for that. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I, I didn't come prepared. I, what? We I, talked about this. No, no, we didn't. You were asleep, but I was talking. Oh, well, that... If you've given me more time to prepare... <laughs> I could have tried. Oh. You can't spell iambic pentameter without time. Take that one to the bank, folks. Anyway, let's talk about this. Wow. So I wanted to start out <laughs> <clears throat> by mentioning a few books that I think share uh, similar themes to Shakespeare's works. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that pop up consistently, consistently throughout his plays and his poetry. Uh, and one of those being kind of this idea of identity, missed identity, being in the wrong body, being mistaken, things like that. Uh, two books come to mind for me about that more recently, uh, is Ordinary Gods, a comic that deals with these beings that are kind of personifications of different, uh, emotions or things or beliefs or states of being. Uh, being imprisoned on Earth and kind of uh, resurrecting and uh, but being trapped within human bodies effectively mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure out a way to get out uh, of that prison and they're working together but they're also being hounded similar to some of the you know more magical kind of fairy based things that you know Shakespeare's done of putting people in the bodies of animals and putting people in the bodies of other people and mistaken identity and stuff like that or hiding and you know hiding away your importance in order to work in a normal world there's also a book called crosswind uh this book features two individuals one a normal housewife with kind of a bleak awful life one a hitman living a lavish uh extraordinary life and the two suddenly being swapped uh mm -hmm. this is a very interesting trans positive piece uh we've talked about it before on here it's a great book a couple times <laughs> as being you know a very lgbt particularly trans positive piece worth reading um <clears throat> that said i think this also plays into kind of a magical being just taking two people and disrupting their lives changing their identity changing who they are which is something that does come up pretty consistently throughout uh shakespeare's work Otherwise, big themes in Shakespeare's work are interpersonal conflict, turmoil, the idea of order versus chaos, 
Um, Order versus Chaos is everywhere, so I'm not really going to focus on that one. But conflict-wise, there's a lot of Shakespearean stuff that deals with people kind of infighting or doing things behind other people's backs. Friends betraying friends, betraying loyalties, uh, which... If that doesn't sound like the X-Men to you, I don't know <laughs> what else to say, but I feel like particularly the newer stuff with all the Krakoa and the Quiet Council, oh, yeah. things like that, I think uh, Shakespeare would be pretty into that. Um, also, I, I as I was thinking about this, I was like, honestly, Brubaker stuff. Brubaker, I feel oh, like yeah. uh, a lot of Brubaker stuff would appeal to the Bard in that it's a lot of that kind of subtle you know, this person, where does this person's loyalties lie? Oh, surprise, they lie here. Uh, things like that. And as I was having that train of thought, I realized, and I could probably do a whole, like, extensive paper about this. <laughs> but... Do I smell a dissertation? <clears throat> yeah. Shakespeare would be really into westerns. <laughs> huh. I feel like... If Shakespeare's out there somewhere, he's pissed off that he didn't get to experience Westerns. Because they, they fit a lot of his similar themes. It's people with kind of dodgy loyalties. It's a lot of references to the negativity of government and the power of government. Uh, and the need for freedom and personal freedoms and independent freedoms. Uh, it's a lot of talk about the nature of collectives being dangerous which happens a lot in Shakespeare about how people got to look out for themselves and things like that people betraying people people you know subtly betraying people and a lot of that happens in westerns also revenge revenge is mm -hmm. a big theme in big time. uh in Shakespearean works and that's that's westerns so uh anything western pulp recently brubaker and yeah. western fits both uh, there's a lot of other westerns. There's neo westerns. Undone by Blood is a good one. Good revenge story. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I I never thought about that before. But when we were doing this, I was like, Shakespeare would be really into western books. <laughs> I definitely don't think I thought about that before. But it makes a lot of sense. When it does. You think about it, it fits. Yeah, fits really well. And then you know, oftentimes when westerns kind of dip more into the supernatural, it's like folklore based which a lot of Shakespeare's supernatural stuff isn't as much ghosts and stuff. It's more of folklore. It's like fairies and witches and yeah. like cryptids and things like that. It's not as much like, ooh, spooky ghost or whoa, divine power, oh, the power of God or anything like that. Yeah. It's like, here's a witch. This guy's a fairy. Cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Look at know. these nymphs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Um, I also have one, when I think of the big, like, the big Shakespeare boys, I think of, like, Macbeth and Otello and Hamlet, and those, to me, immediately have themes of, like, how good can men be, and can men revise their ways, and what is the restrictions on human nature as, like, being quality people, and, like, that sort of thing. So, when I think of those, my mind is immediately drawn to the recent Chip Starsky Daredevil. Mm -hmm. Um, the entire book run has been concentrated on can Daredevil be a good person while being Daredevil? Like, does wearing the mask inherently, like, corrupt his morality? And it also talks about, like, Kingpin. Can Kingpin, 
be a good person? Can he step away from the crime? Can he go and, you know, be a legitimate mayor and not fall back into his, like, murderous ways? Can he get above what he's always been before? Mm -hmm. And it just feels very, like, very Shakespearean to me because there's also, like, influence of, of women who, like, you know, we've got Mary who couldn't remember who she was for half of the series and thought she was just like some rando nun and then she wakes up and starts like you know whispering evil do nothing do baddies to to kingpin and so it's like there's there's a lot there in the daredevil run and the relationship between electra and daredevil and she's like be who you are and like very lady Macbething it you know there's Mm -hmm. there's just a lot in the daredevil run it's an incredible run. There's a lot to it. There's like gangs against each other, which is some Shakespearean stuff. Like there's just, there's a lot to this daredevil run that speaks to a Shakespearean vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, it also makes me think of die from Gillen. Yeah. Um, that one a little on the literal side, because there's like the folklore esque stuff from a Shakespeare theme with, you know, nymphs and fairies and all of that stuff and very fantasy type mm-hmm. folklore base but also just the relationships and again this like can you be good can you you know are you still a good person if you do bad things for the right reasons and mm-hmm. can you you know overcome things you've done in your past that were bad things that you had to do to try and be a better person. Like, can you ever live those things down? So much of that is in die. And I feel like that's honestly a lot of stuff by Kieran Gillen could easily fit into this. I mean, anything from like even their Uber stuff, you know, like, because it feels like it's very based on war, but it's also based on like, the personalities in war, which is in a lot of Shakespearean things. Like a lot of Shakespearean stuff takes place around wars. Like we're about to go to war with these people <laughs> or the kingdom is a threat from these people. And there's a lot of like of that conflict. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like a lot of Gillen stuff could easily apply to that. But Die definitely fits the bill because it kind of plays with both his more fantastical stuff, his more um, like fictional things and but but still leans into the more like interpersonal grounded character pieces and it's interesting you know like i know i'm focusing more on the dark stuff but i acknowledge that shakespeare wrote a bunch of comedies and like dirty poetry like i know that's a part of it <laughs> yeah so if you everyone wants to think shakespeare is like Hoity-toity. Hoity-toity and pretentious stuff. But it's literally a series of, like, nearly anarchistic, super hyper horny. <laughs> like, tear down the system. People suck. People are boring. We should all just, like, live our own lives the way we want to live them. And also... A lot of that means feeling up boobies from time to time. He was really the Riverdale of his time. Yeah. (laughs) It was a lot of very subtle, and it was all kept very subtle. It was all kept very quiet. It was like the quiet parts were like words that felt horny or like, (laughs) you know, 
hey, look, this king's a douchebag. I mean, he's Danish, but king's a douchebag. <laughs> I'm going to put on a play in my play about the king being a douchebag, and I'm just going to stare out into the audience like, ta-da! Kings are douchebags. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and, you know, those quiet parts, I think being said aloud would definitely appeal to Shakespeare. I think if he were able to get a hand on modern comics, he would like the idea of, or she, look up Shakespeare identity theory. It's a tangled web. Uh, Love it. (laughs) They would love books that just took the stuff that they had to hide, that they kind of had to put away and be like, monarchy be real winky about Uh, (laughs) anything that just really said and you know in our modern day there are tons of books that are just out and out here's innuendo deal with it in your endo uh (laughs) you know first one really popular one that comes to mind sex criminals oh yeah you know dirty 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 book with a good point and lovely characters and a lot of heart but i feel like he'd dig books like that he'd be like wow you're allowed to be naughty this is fantastic <laughs> uh you're and just then, saying it and you know, showing it <laughs> books that put government on blast specifically the british government like say once in future uh another kiran which is unapologetically like hey you know monarchies aren't great Monarchs aren't great. England has a lot of really dicey history, even though this is a fictional monarch we're focusing on. Uh, uh, And hey, here's our current crappy government playing a factor into this. I would would also like to throw into the list of talking smack about the government, Cy Spurrier's uh, Hellblazer John Constantine, uh, when he basically made them all like, weird pervy having sex with a giant like manifestation of town and country yeah. in the base or in and, the gutters of sewers of and i think I, I feel like shakespeare would be really into books that are more lambasty of governments whether yeah. it be the british government or the american government hell there's so many books that put the american government on blast oh my god all of them <laughs> good reason uh (laughs) i feel like he'd just be really like if he was able to experience that world he'd be like damn this is cool this is cool that people are able to just be like hey government stop being sucky (laughs) stop being arrogant pricks you know So, yeah, I, I think any books that kind of fall into the... Those are just a few examples, but there's tons of both uh, that fall into those kind of categories. Either just very sex-positive books or very, like, you know what? Let's talk about how we can change the government books. Would both really appeal to his sensibilities. Agreed. Um, or her sensibilities. Or hers. You don't know. Or theirs. Could be Anne Hathaway. Could be lots of people. Not the actress. <laughs> the other Anne Hathaway. Admittedly, I gotta tell you guys, Chris made a note about that in our, like, 
notes for this episode. Yeah, and I called I him thought, by a different name in every note that I made. And and I he at one point put Anne Hathaway, and I was like, what does this have to do with the actress? <laughs> I was like, is is that a typo? Is he having a breakdown? I don't. And then I remembered that there's another person called. Yeah, Anne look Hathaway. up Shakespeare identity theory. It's a. Uh, it's something else. It's crazy. Um, my last thought is I wanted to bring up things that would, um, make Shakespeare feel at home, uh, that would harken back to either where they come from, where they owe, where they come from, Cotton Eye Joe. Um, in specific- Cotton Eye Joe is not one of the rumored <laughs> identities of Shakespeare. You don't know. But it could be. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, one I wanted to mention is Sandman Dream Country, which literally one of the four arcs- is Midsummer's Night Dream. Yes. No, keep going. Oh. Just when you're done, I'm raising my hand. Oh. Because I have something to add on to the Sandman train. Oh, so. yeah. So, it literally, Midsummer's Night's Dream is, like, they put on the play. It's literally in the book. And I feel like when you are one of those people who died before you were f- to find out that you would end up being one of the most influential people in literature of all time feel like that would tickle your fancy to see a book with your book in it <laughs> that seems like it would be nice um yes mm-hmm. you have other you I give me add to the sandman give me, uh, give me. the Do dreaming it. waking hours actually has a moment where the main character gets sucked into a dream she's doing a paper on shakespeare identity theory and she gets sucked into the dream world where she's hanging out with four of the possible personas of shakespeare well, that'll that that would mess with your it's head. Shakespeare. <laughs> who all is there? Shakespeare, Sheik Sabir, Anne Hathaway, and one other guy. I forget who else is there, but there's like four personas of Shakespeare there. That's and amazing. She's like trying to be like, which one of you is the real one? And they're like, we all are. <laughs> and but yeah, to your tune of, I do feel like Shakespeare would be the type of guy that's like. <laughs> They liked my stuff. I feel like... <laughs> right? They'd also be like... <laughs> they like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And also, I feel like they would appreciate things that take place in the era with which they existed. Um, both Marvel and explicitly like the Angela 1602. Um, the Marvel 1602, which again... You just wanted an excuse to talk about Angela. Maybe. Well... Here's what's funny. Continuing the Sandman train, Marvel 1602, if I'm not mistaken, was Gaiman. Probably, yeah. And so more, more like really nailing into the Victorian era stuff. And it also plays with some... Gaiman likes his bard, man. It's true. Some more of the, the time period. I believe... Now I'm nervous that I'm remembering that wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was... It was Gaiman. Yeah, it's Gaiman. I, I looked that up and I thought that was nifty how like all of the things that s- explicitly talk to Shakespeare are kind of... Don't shout at me. <laughs> Stop yelling at me. Um, but then Angela 1602, which came later, which mm-hmm. was part of big crossover from a few years ago. Secret Wars? Yes. The one with the wall, right? Yes. Yeah. And all the different zones. Yes. Um, Angela 1602 is almost even more explicitly, like, winking at the bard because it brings up characters reminiscent of Shakespeare. It brings up, like, 
circumstances reminiscent of Shakespearean works. Like it's all it's it's a real it's a real hat tip, and I feel like the bard would appreciate that. Yeah, true. And dungeon masters out there never wink at the bard. It's true. Don't do it. Mm, it's how you end up. It's a bad idea. It's how your NPCs end up in. Uh, Unless you really like that NPC and you want to play them for the rest of the game, yeah. then just don't, don't, don't <laughs> wink at the bard. It's true. <laughs> and then the red dragon comes down and it spits fire everywhere and it looks at the bard and it goes, ding. <laughs> and suddenly that red dragon has become a part of your party and will never leave for the rest of time. Anyway, Shakespeare. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about this, I honestly was just like, man... Shakespeare's hilarious. I did the same thing when we did the Jane Austen episode. I was like, Jane Austen's hilarious. All these all these writers that are like traditional literary people that people are like so oh, serious. So hoity toity and pretentious and stuff. They're just funny people. Yeah. Who are misunderstood by modern audience. <laughs> <laughs> people don't realize that most of these people that we consider like uh, high level literature were in fact the like crappy sitcoms of their of their time <laughs> yeah. I mean, if shakespeare were alive he'd be like he'd be like mark hamill on twitter he'd like watch like family guy joking <laughs> with everybody and ragging on people so yeah shakespeare get out and read some shakespeare yeah it's good stuff there's all sorts of stuff Just there's stuff for everybody absolute tons of it and look seriously look into it. if you had never heard of the theories and rumors and whatnot surrounding conspiracy. Who was Shakespeare and or was Shakespeare multiple people and different plays were written by different people? Really dig into it because it's very, very cool. I'm sure there's plenty of books out there. Oh, I've yeah. always just looked online and read articles and stuff online, but I'm sure there's plenty of great books that break it all down. I personally really like the Sheik Zabir uh theory. The Anne Hathaway theory is pretty good too. Uh, but there's a few others everywhere from, I think, like, William Blake and Elizabeth I and Mary, Queen of Scots, and, like, all these other people are rumored to yeah. be, like, parts of the Shakespeare web. So, look into it. It's very cool. But that's Secret Short Box for us. If yeah. any of those books sounded cool, look them up as well. They're all very, very good. Uh, if you want more episodes of Cover B, you can find us online at CoverBPodcast.com. If you want more of our social media presence, we are on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Twitter, uh, and we post on a regular basis all sorts of cool stuff from shorts to uh, features to news and all, all everything in between. Mm -hmm. Every Thursday, we release our standard uh, episode, which focuses on the new releases of that week and our recommendations of what books are worth jumping into. Uh, and until next time, we hope everybody has a good rest of their week, and we will see you back here for more episodes of Cover B.